Good morning. This morning's reading is from 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 13. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love is never envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude and manly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of evil done to it. It pays no attention to suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It is ever ready to believe the best of every person. It hopes its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances and endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. As for prophecy, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, it will be fulfilled and pass away. As for tongues, they will be destroyed and cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away, it will lose its value and be superseded by truth. For our knowledge is, is, fragmentary, incom, is fragmentary, incomplete and imperfect. Our prophecy, our teaching is fragmentary, incomplete and imperfect. But when, when the complete and perfect title comes, the incomplete and imperfect will vanish away. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Now that I have become a man, I am done with childish ways and have put them aside. For now we are looking in a mirror that gives us a dim, blurred reflection. We shall see it in reality and face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know and understand fully and clearly, even in the same manner as I have been fully and clearly known and understood by God. And so faith, hope and love abide, but the greatest of these is love. Thank you, Kim. All right. We are expecting this morning to hear a word in season. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Chloe. Thank you, Kim. <laughs> Thanks for the battle. a long one. You did very well. <laughs> I, uh, I uh, gave uh, Chloe the Bible reading on Thursday, and then later I said, can we add these? Uh, and then I said, she said, in Amplified. I said, yes, in Amplified. And then a few, uh, I think yesterday I said, uh, can we add these four or five verses? She said, you still wanted an Amplified? <laughs> so you did real good. We've been doing a series on love, uh, really, as to sort of wrap up our, our year, which we've been talking on discipleship. And the reason uh, which we're doing it on love is because uh, the Apostle John, the Apostle of Love, said that we are to be perfected in love, which means uh, the love of God in our lives and how that works and is shown through our lives is the perfection or the maturity of our Christian faith. Jesus said to his disciples, you will know them by their love. And so we, uh, it's one of those topics often you think it's, uh, you know, it's a soppy topic, or, um, but it's not. It's a real gutsy topic. And uh, love will make you tough. Love, love will help you to stand when nothing else uh, makes you stand. Love will send you to places and keep you in places you never thought you could go, you never thought you could get there, and you never thought you could stay there. Love, the enduring power of love, is uh, a spiritual thing. It's a thing which uh, 
strengthens and boards up our, our human spirit and nature so we can stand when no one else stands. And we're looking at different topics. So last week, uh, Chloe preached and it was on love it does not take account. Love doesn't take, and she, she uh, talked about forgiveness. Love holds no account or chooses not to weigh up the rights and wrongs of other people. The week before, we talked about love. Um, love is always ready to cover. Love shields, love covers, love protects other people from sin, protects other people from their bad mistakes, protects other people from your bad attitude, protects other people from their own bad attitude. It shields. Today we're going to talk about the enduring quality of love, the persevering quality of love. And it's interesting if you look at those verses which um, Kim so eloquently read in your beautiful South African accent, that uh, it's really divided into a number of different things that love does. First of all, it talks about our attitude that we have and our thought life and what uh, we are if we're thinking love thoughts, how we choose to think about other people. Secondly, it talks about how we treat other people. And, and of course, this is the love of God which is in us. Uh, and so this is how God thinks about us. This is how God chooses to treat about us, to treat us. But then thirdly, it has it uses a number of adjectives, which adjectives are describing words, Chloe. There was describe nouns. So it's it talks adjectives which are um, they speak about perseverance. They speak about endurance. They speak about again perfection. Because when the Bible talks about perfection, or even the word patience, love is patient, that's an endurance word. Patience actually means that love will stay stable no matter what comes against it. Now, the world has a view of love, and you know, there's a lot of things in the world that just make good sense because they're good sense. The book of Proverbs is a book of Proverbs. A lot, number of those Proverbs were, were floating around in other customs and other traditions at the time because wisdom is wisdom no matter, what, uh, no matter what the faith, no matter what the culture. Uh, and humans, to an extent, are made to love. We are made to love and we are made to give love. But the love that the world gives will never match the love that God gives. In Romans 5 Verse 5 to 8, it talks about how the love of God is shared abroad in our heart through the Holy Spirit. So Christians are in a wonderful position in that we have the nature of God in us, and the very nature of God is love. And however the world wants to mimic it or however the world wants to uh, um, send uh, imitations of it, it never matches the actual quality of the real thing, the love of God. And if you believe in God at all, and I assume because you're here there's a likelihood of that, then you must believe, as James says, all good things come from God without any shadow, without any turning. Uh, he adds, adds no sorrow to it, it talks about. That the real love that we are made for is the love of God. So we're talking today about the enduring quality of God, and there's a number of, of verses we'll look at, and then I'll tell a couple of stories, but... Uh, I was impressed this morning by my chooks. Uh, we've got chooks. Well, when I say we've got chooks, our kids have got chooks. 
Lynn and I don't have any pets, but somehow we've got all these animals that hang around. And when the kids move on, the animals stay, you know. And not just for a few weeks like Luke and Sarah, you know. Who's looking after your chooks when you're gone? Mum and Dad, you know. But they go away for two years and we get loaded with cats. But we've got these chooks. And I looked out this morning and one chook was uh, running around. You know, if chooks were smart, I think they'd rule the world. If chooks were smart, they'd be, they'd be scary. They, they would be. But they're dumb. You know, they sit there and you think they're going to attack you, but they're just dumb. And it's probably just as well. But this chook was running around with something straped across its back like this and hanging around down its side and dragging along behind it. And wherever it went looking for it, this thing was sticking to it like glue. And I was looking at it, I was thinking, what is sticking to the, what is sticking, what is sticking to the back of this chook? What is enduring so much that no matter what that chook did, it stuck to it? I know this is a very sort of poor example of love, but I thought it was a little bit humorous. So, so you know, with chooks comes flies. And uh, the other day I decided to try and do something about the flies that, in the chook pen. So I got one of those sticky tapes, you know, the sticky tapes from Bunnings. They're like 50 cents each. And I put them up on the inside of the chook pen. And uh, so I looked out this morning and there was one of those sticky tapes st <laughs> stuck to the back of this chook as it's running around. I don't know whether it thought it was takeaway food, something like that. You know, thought all these flies on, I think I'd just take the meal with me. I figured, how did it get there? Because I hung it up from the, the, the roof of this um, chicken coop. My son, when he does things, he doesn't normally do things by half measures. He's, he was going to get chicken coop, so he bought, he bought a shed, you know, like a four-meter by three-meter shed. And it's got chooks in it. So I hung these fly things up from the roof like that. And I, I thought, I was hoping it would be high enough, because, you know, chooks are about this height, and... And then there's the roost over here. And so over here, I hung two fly things, which, by the way, are useless. There's thousands of flies around that chook pen, and there's about four on this sticky tape. I'm sure they've got this, this fly tape fly tape at 3 o'clock, fly tape at 3 o'clock. You know, boy, it's going around, you know. But I think we've got a morning chook. Because there's, you know, one chook makes, us, makes it known when it's morning and it's laid an egg, gets a And I think this chook is the morning chook. Because all the other chooks must have got up and said, it's morning, get down, hopped off of the perch. But this chook got up, it's morning, fly! <laughs> and must have flown out and grabbed this fly, fly uh, thing, which is all over it. The enduring quality of flypaper. Whatever that chook does, I don't, I don't think that flypaper is going to move. One of us is going to have to catch that chook. Are you good at catching chooks, darling? Yeah. And remove the flypaper on it. The chook's probably wondering why it's so popular at the moment, all the other chooks following it around. So that was uh, supposed to be a funny introduction. 1 Corinthians 13, we're looking at the enduring quality of love. I did also, I found some uh, really cute little kids' quotes before we get into it. Uh, I love kids' quotes. And kids sometimes, they just seem to nail things. Don't they just nail it? So I found some kids' quotes on love. And Billy, sorry, Claire, six, what she says about love. Claire says, Mummy loves me more than anyone. You don't see anyone else kissing me to sleep, do you? <laughs> Terry Four says, 
Love makes you smile even when you're tired. That's a good one. And uh, Billy, Billy, who's also four years old, says, um, when someone loves you, they just say your name differently. Your name is safe in their mouth. That's perceptive. When someone loves you, they just say your name differently. Your name is safe in their mouth. So in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, we look at, uh, we're talking about the enduring quality today. God's love for us endures. God's love in us endures. Now remember, we, you know, love, is a, uh, love is a command to love one another. Jesus actually didn't have any other commands. He had one command, and this love uh, is, fulfills Romans says, fulfills the whole law because if you walk in love, then you're not going to hurt anyone. You're not going to steal from them. But it's, it's not the sort of thing really that our earthly nature or human nature, human nature has a limit to love. You know, I can love this much and then you've just gone too far. Or this long, or it's gone too far. Or if I love this until such and such happens. But God's love endures. God's love for us endures. God's love in us endures. And as we learn to walk in the love that God has, we can love and we will love supernaturally in the love of the Holy Spirit. But I want to look at a few words that it, uh, the Scriptures use to describe love. So in uh, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 7, it says this, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love bears up. Have we got a good translation there? Verse 7. If we go to verse 7. Love bears all things. So that it's talking about love, uh, that love shields or protects. We talked about this two weeks ago. Love shields, it bears or protects, it covers against any and all opposition that would bring harm. I think uh, one one version says, love shields. Have we got verse 7? Is it coming up? It's coming up. That's all right. It says, love shields or protects uh, from all things. The enduring quality. I don't even know if you're going to get the right version. Sorry. <laughs> My bad. Doing a good job. Tiff's doing a good job. You can clap. Have you got a hat yet, Tiff? Have we given you a cap? Okay. So you don't get another one. So you get verse 7 up there. <laughs> it bears all things. So that's talking about there is no, there is no, um, there is n nothing which will hurt someone else which love cannot and does not and is not able to and will not protect that person from. And you might sometimes, you know, we love people and we're going to love them until they do this or they've gone too far and I just can't, you know, I'm not going to cover that. Who's glad? I'm glad God didn't say that about me. I'm glad, Dad, glad God did. I'm, I'm glad God didn't have a sin level or a type of level that says I'm going to protect him from this far, but no further. Love bears up or protects or covers people from sin and the effect of sin. When I was first born again, I say first born again because I'd forgotten that I was born again, and then I got born again again. So I've been born again, again, again. 
uh, as a 12-year-old on the 17th of January 1973, which, if you remember, was a Thursday. Thank you very much. But then as a junior soldier, I was... Uh, uh, I think I've told you this story. So I was raised Salvation Army. And, uh, and then at a certain age in the Salvation Army, like, uh, you know, uh, Catholics that will have uh, communion and other other traditions will have baptism in in salvation army we become junior soldiers and so we you know we we learn to salute and stand and do all sorts we become junior soldiers at a certain age and it's supposed to be the age where you have an expression of of uh, faith so the young persons leader one sunday morning came up to me and all the other guys hanging around and said at the end of our young person service you come forward and so i said to the other guys why are we going forward and what I didn't know is that that was the age I was supposed to make a commitment, you see, because I, that's so you can go into the big church. If I knew that, I probably would not made that commitment so I could stay with the kids. But anyway, the other boys said, just go forward. So they had an evangelical service. They talked about how Jesus died for us and how when you believe and receive him as your Lord and Savior, your sins are forgiven. And they had an altar call and all us group of guys, and we were on that side. There might have been some girls. I didn't care about them. And they were probably, they didn't matter as much. And, and so I went forward. And I knelt down at the altar rail in, in the Salvation Army, Hurstful Salvation Army Corps. It's called the Throne of Mercy or the Mercy Seat. Any Salvationists here? Anyone grew up with Salvation Army? That's good. I can tell lots of stories now, which there normally is. But anyway, it's a mercy seat and it's padded, and you sit down on it. And I sat down, I knelt down on it, and everyone else said the prayer and went, and I just, and, and went back. I just began to cry. I didn't even know why I'd gone forward, but I just began to cry. And so the young person's uh, leader came down. I can remember he sat on this side of me and he put his arm around me. And, and, and uh, he said, is everything all right, Grant? And I said, I, I, well, I was eight. I said, I've been such a bad boy. I can remember, I've been such a bad boy. Now, you've got to understand, not too long before, I had stolen an eraser from David Jones. Got busted for it, had to come back. Mum marched me into the manager's office. Like, I'd done some major sins. And uh, it's major, big things, like stealing an eraser from David Jones. And uh, he, he, pointed, he said to me, you know, some people think that there's just, you can go so far and that God's love doesn't, won't go any further. But Jesus' love went all the way. And even as an eight-year-old, I learned that the love of God will bear anything. There is nothing we have done will do, doing now, which God did not already know when Jesus chose to die for us. Your sin doesn't impress God. He's forgiven people worse than you. Turn around the person next to you and say, that's you. <laughs> He's forgiven people. Love bears all things, all right? Then it says it endures all things. Now this means it, it, it will put up with anything, it will stand firm, it will persevere, it will never, it doesn't have an expiry date, it endures all things. So it's not like he's got this wonderful love for us for a while, no matter what we did, uh, but then, uh, but that's got an expiry date on it. 
Love will endure, the Bible says, all things. And it says, love never fails. Now, what this means is love never loses its importance. Love will always stay the primary reason why God wants you. And it will always be that. There's not going to be another time when God decides that that justice or he's fed up or maybe he's, he's, he's going to have another attitude towards you. Love always <coughs> will have. It never fails. It'll always have primary importance. And then the last word which it uses is that faith abides. Faith abides. That means faith, uh, sorry, love, it says hope, Faith, faith, hope, and love abide, the greatest of which is love, when everything else has fade away. And it talks about all the spirit, all, everything, that, everything that's going on now around us, everything that's happening in your life, it has a use-by date. All the stuff that you've put up with, the Bible says it is temporal. It will go. Who knows that's good news? And it's not going to live with you forever. It's not going to be that we, the house we... <laughs> We had a house on the Gold Coast hinterland, and one, um, one month, I think a couple of rats decided to die in the wall. Remember that? Vaguely. <laughs> that rat was living with us. But eventually, it. it <coughs> this is perhaps not. I don't think I've thought through this illustration too well. Love abides. When all else is gone, God's love will remain. And you know, you, you hear of people who uh, have died, especially if they've been Christians, and they've come back to life, and time and time again, there's like, there's, I'm going towards this light, and it was just like liquid love. Love will abide. Love endures. Love will endure, and it will put in us, when we know how much God loves us, the Apostle John says, we love we, we can love, we're able to love because he lo- first loved us. There is nothing we have done which is too big, too bad, too long, too consistent, too repetitive that the love of God is not prepared and not willing to cover that. And that love sent Jesus out of heaven out of glory, to become like us, to know what it was like to be like us. The Bible says he was tempted like us. It says he is not a high priest who doesn't have empathy or sympathy. He has empathy and sympathy with us. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He's felt about anxiety. He's felt about different types of attractions. He's felt everything that we've been tempted with he felt he knows what it is like. And so he understands where we've come from. He understands what we're dealing with now. Love endures. God's love endures for us. God's love endures in us. And when we walk and learn of that love and walk in it, we can learn to have that sort of love for other people. There's a... Uh, a uh, couple of illustrations I want to uh, look at in the Bible, but I did read a, I read a story, apparently a true story about a, a Scottish family from Glasgow, this is not a joke, a Scottish family from Glasgow and they had a troubled teenager 
and the teenager was always in rebellion, always arguing, and uh, the, the family were Christians. She was arguing about the faith, and eventually uh, she couldn't live at home, and she left. And she went on the street. She ended up selling herself for pennies and then became destitute and became separated from the family, lost all contact with the family. The family couldn't uh, find her. And she became... Uh, so separated, she didn't, she didn't know when her father died. But she also didn't know that her mother had never given up looking for her. Love endures. Doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter how long it is, how far away it is, God comes after you. God endures, the love of God endures. She didn't know that her, her mother had kept looking for her until one time, the mother didn't know where she went. The mother went far off towns, far off cities, and she would post a photo of this girl in, in the hostels and in the destitute places. And the photo said, I love you, come home. And so one day, years later, father had died, years had come and gone. She was in a hostel, she was destitute, and she saw this photo of herself. They said, I love you, come home. And she thought for a while, do I dare? Do I dare come home? But she, she, she's like the prodigal son that Pastor Chloe was referring to last week. She stirred up enough courage to come home. She traveled back to Glasgow. She found a house. It was late at night by the time she got there. And she went to knock on the door and she tapped on the door like that and the door swung open. And she got a bit worried. She thought someone come in, something happened to her mum. So she went to the house. She went up to her mother's bedroom and her mother was asleep in bed. And she woke up and there was a wonderful reunion. And then she said, Mum, the front door's open. And the mother said, ever since you've left, I've left the door open every night. Just in case you came home and thought I was gone. Love endures. Didn't matter where she'd been, where she'd gone. There's some wonderful stories of love. We'll, we'll talk in a moment about... Uh, Hosea and Goma, but there's a, a great verse in 2 Timothy. If you <laughs> I look up, you're doing a great job, Tiff, you really do. I look up, see that? There's little fingers. 2 Timothy <clears throat> chapter 1, and we're introduced to um, a gentleman by the name of Onesiphorus. One, Onesiphorus. Doesn't sound like too good a name. I'm, I'm just glad, really, that the um, there wasn't a gospel named after him. I think the Holy Spirit was very wise to have the gospel named Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But we mentioned this one one time. This is uh, Onesiphorus is mentioned, and it's in Second Timothy. And I'll look especially at verse 16, 2 Timothy one, verse sixteen and seventeen. Thank you. It says, The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he, was, he has often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he was in Rome, he eagerly searched for me and he found me. The Lord grant to him to find mercy on the Lord that day. So here's this character called Onesiphorus. We call him One. All right. And he was from the church in Ephesus. 
and he had a reputation for loving on people and for providing for people and seeing their needs. And so he travels to Rome to find Paul. Now you've got to understand, Rome at that time was a city of about one million people, so that's almost the size of Brisbane, four times the size of the Sunshine Coast. And Paul says that, that he sought eagerly. Different translations say uh, he, sought, um, he sought earnestly, he sought diligently, he sought hard, he sought zealously, he sought everywhere for me. Onesiphorus loved Paul. So he went to Rome and he searched diligently. Now, you've, got to, you've ever had, like you're talking about having a leading for someone and think, oh, you know, I feel, I feel someone in my heart, oh, I, I tried to call him. He didn't just try and call him. He just kept trying to call him. He didn't just keep trying to call him. You understand they didn't have Google, they didn't have phone books, they didn't have any way of finding them, search of one million people looking for Paul who was in prison. So when they're in prison, they had to support themselves. They didn't have cable, they didn't have TV, they didn't have three hot meals a day. They had to provide their own food. And, and the, Paul said, he wasn't ashamed of my chains. Why would many people, because earlier he had said, everyone's left me, and then he talked about even two people that left me. But love endures. And love wasn't ashamed. Onesiphorus was not ashamed of Paul's change. He sought diligently. <coughs> You've got to understand... If Christianity was illegal, Nero was running rampant. He was burning down the city, blaming Christians, putting Christians on uh, crucifixes and burning them for kilometers outside Rome, one million people. And Onesiphorus went and he sought for Paul. And if you think about this, obviously this is before when Paul wrote 2 Timothy. He sought for Paul, he would, have, he would have had to, it would have been just very risky to even ask for Paul. So he would have had to go and he would have had to persist, possibly for weeks, possibly even for months, to find this place where Paul had been. He couldn't put up a sign saying, looking for Paul, the prison Christians, because he would have been, probably been arrested. So very subtly and carefully, he had to diligently determine to find Paul. And when he found Paul, he brought refreshments and he brought his needs and he supplied him with water and food. Love endures, love insists, love perseveres, love doesn't get, give up at the first no, it doesn't give up at the first rejection, the second rejection, the third rejection. It said he earnestly, he diligently, he fervently sought me out until he found me. I think we need a little bit of earnestly, diligently seeking out of people who need, who need, who have needs of love, need of fellowship, need of forgiveness, need a saviour, and we'll go to it like dog at a bone, <coughs> persist them. I don't mean harass them, you know, but they <laughs> pop up at their front door every morning. But, you know, pray for, pray for them, persist them, continue to bless them, even then when they're rejecting you. Uh, do it like a dog, at a, bone, a dog at a bone. Love does not give up. Love endures. Love persists. It refused to say no. God did it for you. All the times we've rejected him and turned away, love didn't give up. 
There's a wonderful story in Hosea, and we, we, I know I've got it down there, but we won't go to it. Um, Hosea was an Old Testament prophet, a minor prophet, and he's called uh, the prophet of love because Hosea was told by God to marry a lady who would become a prostitute. And uh, so he, he took on this girl, and uh, most scholars believe she wasn't a prostitute at that stage, but, but God knows people's nature. He warned Hosea about it, but he said you're to marry her and you're to love her. Her name was Goma. So Hosea married her, and for a while, things were going well. Uh, Hosea possibly was not the best husband because he's a traveling prophet. He was probably out of town a lot and probably neglected some things. And, and she fell, and uh, she fell into an adulterous affair, and eventually she moved away from her husband to another town, and she became a prostitute. God told, Homer, God told uh, Hosea that you're to marry Homer because she symbolizes what Israel is to me. So Hosea was to marry Gomer knowing that Gomer would fall away from him and become a prostitute and reject him and hurt him. God told Jeremiah, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31. God has loved us with an everlasting love. It's before time he saw you, he chose to love you. In time, now he chooses to love us. In the future, he chooses to love us. Who knows that love like that is not a feeling? C.S. Lewis says that if you're finding it hard to love, just act like you love them. He said if you just act like you love them and treat them like you love them, you'll find that the feelings stir up. So uh, Goma uh, went away and for a while she did all right as a as a prostitute, looked after herself, but then, of course, as most things happen, the same with that little Scottish girl, she became, she became um, destitute, drugs, abuse, and she was worth nothing. She was sold to a dealer. She was worth nothing. It looks as if Hosea arranged for her keep in that he paid the pimp her food money to look after and clothe her, knowing that she was betraying him and being unfaithful. And this, guys, this is the love of God. God said to Hosea, you're to marry someone who will become a prostitute so you will know and people will know how much I love you and the extent to which you go. In the end, he went. she was so uh, destitute, she ended up, not being able to make enough money for a pimp, so they put her up for auction. And Hosea heard that she was going up for auction. And he scrounged together enough money. And it looks like the pimp realized who he was because he'd been providing for her. And so he just put the, knocked the price of her right up. And he paid for that. And then the Bible says that he took her and he went with her to the wilderness and he loved on her. He loved on her until the hurt, until the pain, until the rejection of gone. And the Bible says, and it's like they returned to the love that they had.
when they were first married. Love never gives up. Love endures. Love perseveres. Love abides. God's love in us does that. We can love others like that when they hurt us because he's done it for us. Amen? Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your amazing, your enduring, your persevering love. We thank you that it endures, it abides with us, it never grows old, it never fails, it never fades, and it always abides with us. We thank you, Lord, that this love is shed abroad in our heart. Because your love endures, we can endure in our love walk for others. We thank you, Lord, for your word today. Pray that it's quickened to our heart and transforms our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.